0: Hello and welcome to the Disney Plus Weekly Review coming at you live from Pride Rock. Oh, we're here, it's the Movie Change Up Podcast. I'm Joe Fergie, and every week here we kind of give a quick review of what happened this week in Disney Plus. Uh, I'm joined by my co host, as always, Tristan Mayer. Uh, I had a lot of fun with Disney Plus this week. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I had a lot of fun too. We had some great episodes uh, of What If to talk about. Uh, we had a really interesting Billy Eilish concert. I'm a big Billy Eilish fan, so we're going to talk about that. And I also did a lot of nostalgic watching. You know, I, outside of this show, I ended up doing a lot of watching of the old X Men cartoons and the Spider Man cartoons that are all on Disney Plus. So I on a Disney Plus filled week this week, Joe.
0: All right, yeah. Like Tristan said, we're going to be talking about the latest episode of What If. We'll talk about uh, Billy Eilish's concert experience on Disney Plus, and then we'll uh, break down some. Boba Fett and uh, rumors and some Star Wars rumors. We'll talk about some stuff we've been catching up on and then we'll kind of end on our. It's not exactly Disney Plus, but it's Disney Plus adjacent. We'll give our Shang-Chi uh, review to wrap up the show. Uh, so why don't we kick this off with uh, what if uh, episode number four titled What If Doctor Strange Lost His Heart Instead of His Hands? Kind of the overall plot in this episode is what if. Uh, His girlfriend, friend, love interest kind of character uh, played by Rachel McAdams was in the car with him during his car accident. And the kind of thing to send him on his quest to, you know, look into the mystic arts was her death and not so much him losing the ability of his hands. And I I thought it was a, I I don't want to say fun episode, but kind of (laughs) an interesting episode that gave you a peek inside a, a different take on Doctor Strange.
1: I thought this was a really great episode. It might be my favorite of the show so far. I think the story, uh, the writing itself was a little weak. Some of the dialogue was, was a little bit cheesy. <laughs> like the way Dr. Strange would just say, but we love Christine. And that would be like his whole arc. But yeah, I thought the visuals were fantastic. So I was really into that. And I thought some of the emotional storytelling with Dr. Strange was really, was really powerful. And I liked how dark it went too. I think I was a little nervous on the first couple episodes of the show. Like, is this going to be too much of a kid show? Just gonna play it a little light, and this episode definitely did not play it light, especially at that ending. So I I like the tone of it. Uh, I thought it was definitely a good, a good unexpected direction for the show to go for me.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a very dark episode. I kind of like the. I mean, it definitely had a lot of dark elements to it. Uh, We can kind of break it down, but you know him kind of living that moment over and over again basically similar moment to him facing Dormammu over and over again but just having to experience her death again and again and again gave me a little bit of Groundhog Day vibe as well but I think yeah this version was a lot darker than just him having to face Dormammu and dying himself over and over again.
1: Yeah it felt very uh I don't know tough to watch it used the animation I think really well, the the uh, medium of animation because I think this would have been hard to watch, of course, in live action. But I also think once it got into the more the more outlandish stuff and the creatures and the in the very strange visuals, it, I think it used the color and they used the animation medium really well. But yeah, for the the emotion of it, I thought yeah, I was I was not expecting it to be so dark, and that him having to watch Christine die over and over and over again, wanting to save her, knowing he can't, and watching that kind of that one kind of choice to save her her destroyed the whole entire universe (laughs) you know that was the final line one choice can destroy a universe and I thought that really put into stakes this whole what if series because so far it's been kind of just fun adventures through the multiverse like oh look uh Chadwick Boseman is playing Star-Lord in this one and oh look Peggy Carter is is Captain America, and this one felt like, oh, but what if it really went bad? Like, what's the worst possible scenario this can this could go? And the yep. watcher having to just watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, it kind of made me think back to Loki and like the whole. What were they saying? Like an absolute The the ancient one was saying an absolute moment, and mm-hmm. I, I thought like so many times during Loki with like alligator Loki and all of these various forms of Loki, of what, what. Why are these things, like, not... Like, what caused Like, as soon as a Loki's born an alligator, why is it that not a variant that has to be, like, taken out? Why is it allowed to live for, like, a while before it's taken out? And this got me thinking, like, what if basically the thing that branched a timeline was, like, an absolute moment that changed? Like an absolute moment in our main Doctor Strange timeline is him getting in the car accident by himself, and then the absolute moment in the other timeline was Christine, I think Palmer, coming with him and her dying in that. And so it was kind of like both of those are absolute moments, and the fact that it switched is kind of where the new timeline branched, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and I do wonder how this concept of absolute moments is going to play into the whole overarching concept of multiverse you know between this and and shang chi we've gotten a lot of <laughs> name drops of the word universe and and, and multiverse and in parallel timelines it's a lot of things yeah. to keep track of <laughs> i hope they don't get too lost in the weeds of what's what and what's different and yeah. what's the timeline what's a universe what's a variant what's a what's because I... there is two different dr Stranges in one universe are they variants or are they are they the same dr strange whatever we have in here
0: i think it's one of those things of the more you try to explain it, the less it makes sense, so just roll with it, and uh, <laughs> hope people don't ask too many questions.
1: Yeah, what was, what was the line almost in the head in Loki? Something along the lines of, like, oh, if you ask too many questions, it will start, it start making sense, you know? Yeah, pretty it's, much. I think Loki kind of dived into that, like, if you think about this, it stops making sense, so just don't think about it too much. <laughs> exactly. And and this kind, of, this kind of falls into that, too, you know, like, of course... There's gotta be some way that she doesn't die because there's other alternate universes where she doesn't die, but that's not the premise of the episode, you know,
0: yeah, in this universe, her dying was an absolute moment, in our main doctor Strange universe, him losing his hands in the car accident was the absolute moment. but what did you think of a lot of the body horror elements of the evil kind of Doctor Strange slowly absorbing uh the various entities?
1: yeah i thought it was great i mentioned how i think it used the medium of animation really well and i think this is where it definitely shined literally yeah. i think uh, it was very colorful you know i had my reactive lights on my tv and it really leaned into the color on that i was really happy oh, yeah. with my purchase <laughs> with that one yeah, but I tell. yeah uh that was a, it was a fun episode visually i think that was the body horror was the visual sp- spectacle and I think some of the writing was weaker because they just had, you know, 25 minutes <laughs> to get through an episode and it was like, okay, we got to cover a lot of story here for an arc. But I think a lot of the visual storytelling worked and the body horror was really terrifying, especially by the end when you when Christine comes and wakes up and sees him. But by the time she's back, he's like this deformed Lovecraftian monster that's barely recognizable as Stephen Strange and he's terrifying. her. So it's on the nose, but I think it works really yeah. well.
0: Yeah. I agree. What do you think of the connectiveness of it all? Like the fact that the one monster he had to build up to beat at the end was this weird tentacle creature coming through a portal and then then you have the first episode with Peggy Carter and Captain Carter and the big creature that the Hydra is looking for was this big tentacle monster coming through a portal. Do you think there's any kind of connection there? Do you think it's more just the same people are working on it so you're going to have similarities like that?
1: I absolutely do think there's a through line here somewhere that's going to come back, you know, and I wonder if we're at some point going to see our Captain Carter teaming up with Doctor Strange, teaming up with maybe even the Chadwick Boseman Star-Lord, and then having, like, an Avengers of these what-if characters that come and defeat the the giant Hydra octopus at the end. (laughs) I've I've seen people on YouTube who have, like, cited some character that is maybe from the comics, but I wouldn't know one from the other. Mm. One of the big octopus characters, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think like this is more the story of the Watcher because in the first ep- he's each episode he's slowly getting involved more. In the first episode, he just narrates and he's in the background if you look real hard, and then now we're at the point where Doctor Strange is having full on conversations with the Watcher and he's like, "Sorry, can't interfere," and he just watches Doctor Strange universe disappear. So I think there's going to be a point where the Watcher has to interfere because maybe there's a threat to the multiverse as a whole.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I'm thinking that's definitely what. The direction is going to be i remember one of us i think predicted back at the beginning of the show i think before it even started maybe the watcher is going to become like the main character who has to get involved and he says oh, like i just deserve it, but he doesn't and i think that's the direction you're going to go i wonder if he'll be involved in that way maybe he'll reach out and pick out people to make the avengers you know he'll be like oh we need peggy carter from this universe to be here and we need Stephen strange to be here and he'll kind of assemble the team to to, to protect the multiverse and. Yeah. I do expect a couple of these characters too to show up in feature Marvel movies. Uh,
0: yeah, I would not be surprised. Spe- I think Peggy Carter. If, if, you know, they came to me and said, "Joe, we need a number one draft pick of who you think is going to go from the What If series to the live action movies." I would say number one would actually probably be the Watcher, because I mean it is to an extent his show. But of the actual Avengers characters, I would say Peggy Carter is my number one draft pick.
1: I will, I was saying Peggy Carter until this week, but I do think that we might not see this exact evil Doctor Strange. But I think in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, we're going to see an extremely similar version of this that they're going to say is this, like <laughs> the Marvel canon is going to be that's essentially a, a very a variant version yeah. of this evil Doctor yeah. Strange. I think we'll probably see him, and I do think Peggy Carter will also show up. I think that will be really fun. Both of those characters, I think, will show up in in Multiverse of Madness, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get some scene where Wanda's is going through the hundreds of multiverses and in the background you see a couple of these other versions of the universe. You know, that would be a fun way to tie this all together without having it be like central to the plot, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you have anything else specific you want to say to this episode? Because I have uh, some more I want to drop as far as the What If series as a whole.
1: Uh, no, overall I thought it was an impressive episode. I love the tone, which was probably the most impressive part, and also the, the visuals I expect us to come back to this version of doctor strange i think that's a dark cliffhanger to leave that entire story arc on so i wonder if we'll come he's preserved somewhere at the end i think the last moment is him preserved in some kind of like bubble of something (laughs) i don't know it'll be interesting to see if they bring that version back in some way but yeah yeah, this episode really got me into the show and really maybe curious what the actual plot of the show is going to be what the connected tissue of this plot is going to be and This one made me realize that they definitely are going to have one. So I'm excited.
0: And my prediction for that is as far as that this universe did go away, it was destroyed, but it was more to set up like whatever the big other threat is that like, this is how big the threat is that now the watcher feels like he has to intervene like he didn't intervene here cuz he didn't consider that much of a threat but now like whether it's galactus shows up in the final episode or something and he's like all right now I got to interfere and that and it sets up like oh this is how powerful galactus is but i did some uh perusing on imdb and i have some uh information as far as what the some of the upcoming episodes are if you wanted to talk about that
1: Give me some idea, Give me some info.
0: So next week's episode, and this is IMDb, and IMDb is always a little sketch. You know, it can be edited by anyone, so this may not be 100% factual, so if it turns out to not be fully factual, don't blame me, blame IMDb. And if it rhymes, it must be true. Uh, <laughs> so the next episode is, what if Thor was banished to Earth, but was still worthy of his mantle? So I think it's going to be very similar to the plot of the original Thor, but he's going to have Mjolnir the whole time.
1: (laughs) Going from really uh, creative and ambitious episode to another one that's like, what if the same plot happened but different? But I
0: I feel like that's the pace of the show. If you had told me the basis of last week's episode of what if Christine Palmer was in the car with Doctor Strange and she died, and she died instead of losing his hands, I would have thought, oh, that seems like generic and boring, too. So, it's all about what you do with it. That could be the jump-off point for the episode, and by the end of the episode, he's, like, fighting Thanos with Mjolnir, and he discovers the full extent of his powers early on. And
1: Yeah, not every episode needs to be crazy and big. Like, it's it's also fun to just have stuff like the uh, Black Panther Star-Lord up Episode where it's like here's just something fun in the multiverse, you know. So one of those is also cool.
0: All right, and the the episode after that, uh, I don't have a description, but the pro like the profile pic of the episode is the one with Tony Stark throwing up the peace sign and the Humvee. So I think that's the Tony Stark Killmonger episode. Dang, I
1: wonder if they're setting Marvel Zombies for the finale. That's like a oh. hanging out there waiting for me to watch, you know.
0: Um, but yeah, that'll
1: be. I'm really interested in the Killmonger episode. I think that character is something that they could prob- probably bring back through this multiverse. That's one that really hit hard with fans, and especially with Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately, not being able to come back and play the Black Panther anymore, kind of have a hole to fill yeah. in. I wonder if they're going to have some alternate good version of Killmonger end up being a, a character that plays in- around in this multiverse saga.
0: Yeah, that's my prediction. And then, uh, as far as how, that's, I've said that before. I've told people, like, in person before. That's my prediction of what they do with Black Panther. It's uh, a Killmonger variant or a Killmonger from another universe that, instead of being left in California or wherever he was, was brought back by T'Challa's dad and just basically raised as T'Challa's brother. He becomes a good person he somehow comes to our main MCU and sees that they don't have a Black Panther. So to honor his brother and to make up for the mistakes of like the all evil version of himself, or the alternate version of himself, he decides to become Black Panther.
1: I like it. I think it'd be interesting. I mean, Michael B. Jordan leading an MCU franchise sounds pretty awesome to me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, and then the episode after that, don't have a description. All I, again, have is the profile picture. And we have Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Wearing Doctor Strange's cape.
1: It, yeah, it'll be an interesting. When I think the premise of that is that uh, Peter Parker is a sorcerer supreme in some way.
0: Uh, yeah, my, <laughs> that was what I've heard from people. If I thought so, where the variant of this maybe kicks off, it's uh, when they're in the ship in Infinity War going up, where you have. Tony Stark, Peter Parker, and Doctor Strange in that ship going up, maybe Doctor Strange dies, and so, because they said, I think there's something in the first Doctor Strange movie where, like, the cape chooses its wearer, so maybe the cape chooses Peter in that moment if Doctor Strange dies when he's, like, floating with all of, like, the weird needles around him. That would make my prediction for where the, like, timeline changes.
1: I'll place my bet there, Joe. I think that's a good prediction. (laughs) Yeah, I think I... I'm curious to see if this will be one that ties into No Way Home in, in any way. Yeah. Because you have Spider-Man that. and Doctor Strange together and multiverse. <laughs> so yeah. this, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to want all of a sudden Andrew Garfield and t- t- uh, Tom Holland or Toby Maguire or anyone's going to be in this episode. But I think maybe this could be one where you, we have a scene, a throwaway scene somewhere in the background. It's something like I just mentioned, like when Peter Parker is flying through the multiverse, maybe we'll see this universe somewhere.
0: I could see that. And then uh, episode eight, uh, looking like we're got... Just this is the description, and this will tell you everything you need to know. The infamous Marvel Zombies comic comes to life in this episode. There we go. So I'm, I'm
1: really curious... fascinated to see how they adapt that because they could go really dark with it. They can go really comedic with it. They could. I don't know what. It's going to be interesting to see how they can balance that tone and how they can go with. Do, bring that gore and what. I don't know. It would be fascinating to see how they adapt that storyline.
0: I mean, the like the clips of it in the trailer have always looked dark. It didn't really look like fun zombies.
1: Yeah, and I, before this episode, I wasn't quite sure, but the episode that we watched this week sold me on the fact that this show is willing to go dark, even if it's only for an episode or two, you know? So I yeah. think a Marvel Zombies, I'm much more excited for it now than I was a week ago.
0: All right. And... uh we have one final episode, and this is the description, and I want your thoughts. In an alternate timeline, Vision becomes an all-powerful android known as Infinite Ultron when merged with rival android Ultron. Now it's up to the newly formed Guardians of the Multiverse to put an end to his reign before it's too late.
1: You're telling me that's really what it says? <laughs> that's... Look at that. Give me give me the points, Joe. Wow. I'm... Give me my prediction points.
0: That's when you were making predictions. I didn't want to say anything because I knew. But again, that can probably be edited by most anyone. It is still up on IMDb, and normally, if it's that wrong, it's usually removed or changed. So I have a feeling that it's pretty close to being right.
1: Look at that. I I'm organically figuring out the MCU. I don't need I don't need your leaks, Joe. I don't need your spoilers.
0: You know, it is what it is. So I think you're probably right. The Watcher's going to come involved. Ultron's going to become super powerful. Maybe communicate with Ultrons in computers and computers in other universes. And that's when uh, the Watcher has to jump in and set things correctly.
1: I didn't tell you this, Joe, but right before the episode went live, I went on IMDb and I edited that description in just to make sure that I was right the whole time.
0: Uh, so Maybe it was your variant, you know? Yeah. All right. But, yeah, but
1: so, that'll be that'll be great. I mean, assuming that description is correct, I can't wait to see the Guardians of the Multiverse. What is it? What is the escalation? I mean, this franchise is going places, yeah. man.
0: Yeah. All right. So you ready to move on to our next topic? I'm ready.
1: What All do right. we got, Joe?
0: It's one you should be recently familiar with. Let's talk about "Happier Than Ever," a love letter to Los Angeles, a Billie Eilish concert experience.
1: Yeah, I literally just finished this one before uh, we recorded, <laughs> yeah. so I was I was excited for it because I, I'm a big Billie, Billie Eilish fan, and Disney Plus, I think last year, did a good Taylor Swift kind of concert documentary style uh, thing for folklore when that came out, and it was really a fascinating look at the making of the album and the thought process behind the song, so I was thinking that this would be along that same lines, and in a way it was, but it was much, much more of just a concert film. Like it wasn't a documentary about the making of the album as much as it was just, here's a live performance of the album and to talk a little bit about the songs like she would at a concert, but it was still entertaining. I still had a good time uh, with the visuals. So if you're a Billie Eilish fan, I would definitely check it out. And if you are like a live concert fan, I think it's worth a watch, but it's not going to be on the level of like the, the Taylor Swift sessions that she did last year. This is just going to be a live concert film, and if that's what you're looking for, that's what you're going to get.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I was like slightly let down by it because uh, I was watching. You know who directed this, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Robert, I saw that name come up, and I was like, Robert Rodriguez.
0: Exactly. So uh, there was an interview I saw on him on uh, YouTube the other day. It was a couple days ago. After we had already agreed to or decided that we were going to watch the concert for this episode and I watched it because he was talking about Bubba Fett and it was... That was part of it, but he was going in on this whole thing, talking about how like normally for concert films, because you have an audience, and now with the pandemic, there was no audience really. That you really only have like four or five cameras, and you only have one crane that you really can't move that much because there's people there. And he said for this one, they had like eleven cameras with drones and a bun, and they had, like two or three cranes that they can move around and everything between songs and so I was just like expecting like a lot more where it still seemed like a pretty straightforward shoot and he was talking a lot about the animation how they wanted to Billy Eilish is a big like animation fan and I guess his daughter helps him out when it comes to animation like she does a lot of his storyboarding and stuff so he's like oh we included a lot of animation so i expected like way more like cool visuals and like a bunch of animation but really it just seemed like a standard like shot like concert film and then it would just intercut with scenes of an animated version of billy eilish like driving and i I was just i don't know just the way he hyped it up uh i just expected more if that makes sense
1: Yeah, I was expecting a, a a bit more from this, whether it was just from the Robert Rodriguez visuals or whether it was just like insight into the creative process of, of Billie Eilish or some, one of the directions, any of the directions, I expected it to be a bit more. Yeah, so if you're a fan of Billie, I'd recommend it. But for me, yeah, it was like, I just wanted a bit more ambition from it. Yeah. And especially from Billie Eilish, who is one of the more ambitious, creative artists out there who's doing really unique stuff with her music and with her like, platform with her, her her brand she has a really unique look to herself and her her whole image is really interesting and i expected this to lean more into that and this just wasn't necessarily as interesting as i expected it to be uh a lot more intimate than i expected it to be so if you want just like a close quarters kind of billy Eilish and strings kind of performance that was interesting yeah. to see it wasn't her big kind of hype level performances that i'm used to seeing but overall it was a bit of a letdown
0: yeah, uh, there was one thing I wanted to say because I'm a big fan of uh, like when someone takes a song in a certain genre and performs it in another genre, and I'm trying to remember the name of the song. Uh, I'm googling it right now. Um, just Oh, Not Your Friend. When she did Not Your Friend with basically the full concert performance and you had like all of the stringed instruments and everything, uh, I really liked that a lot. That was, to me, probably my favorite part of the the show, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it. The concert experience. It was my favorite part of the concert experience was uh, Not Your Friend, performed by Billie Eilish and the, the whole full-on orchestra.
1: Yeah, I don't want to downplay the music, because the music is still really good here, and especially because it doesn't sound like right off the album type. It's it's very unique take on the music, so that was the most interesting part, is getting getting a different production of the songs that I've already heard and the songs that I already know. Some of them sounded, of course, pretty much the same, but other ones were different takes because she's performing with an orchestra rather than like a any a, sort of electronic instruments. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it sounded different than it would have otherwise. So the music is still great. I don't want to downplay that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The music was really good. Uh, that's all I really have to say about that. I was just like slightly underwhelmed by how much Robert Rodriguez was hyping up, how different it was. And then maybe it's just, I haven't seen a lot of concerts experience videos because they normally don't interest me but i was expecting to just have like crazy visuals and everything and like the lighting was cool and all that but outside of that it wasn't like mind-blowing the way he was hyping it up in that interview i watched i was expecting mind-blowing and i got like above adequate
1: yeah this was like an above adequate concert film (laughs) like i've seen stuff that's more raw and has way less to production value of course but i've also seen stuff that was way better uh even if it was just production value or at least like creative insight into the, into the concert process, into the song process. Yeah.
0: All right. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: No, I'm looking forward to whatever Billy Ellis does next. I'm still yeah. really, really excited for her career.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of her music. So that was fun to watch and listen to as I did our thumbnail and background for uh, this episode uh, this morning. Alright, I'll, I'll let you take control. Do you want to talk uh, Boba Fett rumors really quick, or do you want to talk about uh, your flashback and your, you know, your flashback viewing this week?
1: You know, I'll go with my flashback viewing really quick. Before we get into potential spoiler territory, I'll go for something that probably could not be spoiled for you guys. Something that came out a long time ago. <laughs> right. uh, I've been binge-watching through the Spider-Man 90s TV show, the cartoon, and I've also been watching the, the 90s X-Men cartoon. For some <laughs> reason, no, no, no. yep, uh, I got a little I got a little bug in me that is some reason telling me that I think in this multiverse of madness that's going on throughout Marvel, we're going to get some kind of scene set within this animated universe, whether it's the Spider-Man animated universe or this X-Men animated universe. I think that's something that would be fun to see them go for, whether it's in the next Spider-Verse or whether it's in Far From Home. And these shows are definitely sources of some pretty iconic memes and moments. Uh, and some really iconic introductions of villains. So if you want to get like the comic, acu- not they're not comic accurate, but they feel comic booky. You know, they don't feel like the Marvel versions of the characters. So you'll get like the Venom storyline play out through a couple episodes. And I remember watching that as a kid, and that was my first experience with Venom and that whole arc. And you get the storyline of Peter Parker getting the black suit and turning bad and feeling corrupted, and then losing the suit and it becoming Venom. So you get a lot of these iconic. Spider-Man arcs played out through these animated storylines, so I'm really having a good time watching this, uh, reliving some of those old arcs, seeing some of those old characters again, especially when I think a lot of these characters are going to come up as Spider-Man uh, gets bigger and bigger and the franchise gets bigger and bigger. I wouldn't be surprised to see like some of these deeper... like Kraven the Hunter shows up for a couple episodes. I wouldn't be surprised. Of course, we already have Kraven the Hunter cast. Aaron Taylor-Johnson is playing him, so he's going to be sometime featured in the Sony-verse. So it's fun to see these villains too. Joe, do you have any nostalgia for either one of these shows?
0: Uh, not really, because I never really watched either one. I know X Men was like a big thing for kids R H, but for some reason it was just a show I didn't watch. Uh, same with the basically, I was more uh, Batman the animated series. Like that's the animated like superhero show that I watched. I don't know for whatever reason, just wasn't an animated X Men fan. I will say, uh, as far as X Men appearing in the MCU, I think just having them in a different universe is the way to go like people are like oh maybe the snap created the x-gene but i think part of what makes the x-men the x-men is they've existed for like a long time in their universe i think if you're just like oh the x-men started today and the x-gene just kicked off today then and people are just developing powers to me that's not really the x-men you know
1: I have, a, I have an interesting prediction about okay. X Men that ties into Shang-Chi, so I'm going to save it actually later for Shang-Chi. Right. And,
0: <laughs> and my prediction isn't really tied to anything, but I'd love it if they were. We got introduced to a universe and it's like that has the X Men, and the X Men were established, and mutants are established. And like the in their universe, the mutants and the X Men were the ones that fought Thanos, and maybe uh, Charles Xavier was kind of the Tony Stark of his universe and he was the one that died and that'd be like an interesting way to separate it from kind of the Fox X-Men movies we've gotten where maybe you know there's a story we just don't get that Charles and you know Professor X and Magneto fought for the longest time and they're kind of the Captain America and Iron Man of their universe where it was Thanos coming down and landing and threatening to take half of life that united Magneto and Professor X together
1: yeah, I think this multiverse saga is definitely going to be an excuse for them to do stuff like that and bring in characters without having to, like, establish their backstories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, as they're doing it far from home, you'd assume, like, they're bringing back Doc Ock and Green Goblin and, and Sandman and Electro all because they don't want to have to give all those village origin stories again. They're just like, okay, here they are. And Yeah, you've seen I'm... them
0: in those shitty movies. Well, one <laughs> of the three of them were shitty. The other two are uh, overhyped.
1: And I think we're at that point where you can just throw a villain out there and it's like people will catch up. You know, like we didn't need origin stories of Star-Lord and Gamora and Groot and Drax all because we wanted to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. I think people are at a point where you can just throw a character in there and we'll get it.
0: I think the idea of needing a character's backstory is dumb. Like, I'm, I'm obviously, you and I both have been watching the James Bond movies because it's James Bond month, and, like, when Jaws pops up in a James Bond movie, we don't need a story of, like, why does this guy have metal teeth? The guy has metal teeth. <laughs> there we go. Just move on. The guy has metal teeth. That's it.
1: Yeah, and then the, give him a Disney Plus show about why his teeth metal. You know, yeah, that's exactly. that's where the lore hounds can go and figure out why everything is happening, all the way is happening. But the movies don't need to explain that same, kind of stuff. Same
0: with Odd job. The guy throws a hat, and it's like a cool hat that is has like a blade on it. We don't need a story of him needing a hat and making the hat. The guy has a hat, has a metal blade. Oh, like we have a new superhero. This guy shoots lightning out of his ass. I don't need an origin story (laughs) of that. It's just like, oh, that guy shoots lightning out of his ass. Okay, that's that's just what he is. That's what he does. We're beyond origin stories now. I feel we don't need it. And I'll talk about more with Shang Chi of why I like the route that they went when we go there. Uh, And they kind of did the same thing with uh, Spider Man in Spider Man Homecoming. It was a kind of a non-origin origin story. Uh, yeah, but I do
1: think the multiverse is is going to bring in some of those characters like that, but I do think it's going to be used for like throwaway jokes, you know. So I do expect a scene in Far From Home where Peter Parker is suddenly thrown into the animated universe with all the memes and they're pointing at each other or something like that. Or so you see like the cartoon version like of Green Goblin? In,
0: I feel like they can't do that anymore because Spider-Verse Spider-Verse already stole that joke. So if they did yeah, it, she, themselves... Spider-Verse
1: literally made them going into the meme so you can't really beat that but I can see them going like into the animated TV show or something like that
0: well I mean spider-verse did that too in the uh, post credit scene
1: you're right they did do that they went into like the and the they meme did world the whole pointing thing and the pointing uh, thing and everything
0: spider-man 2099 or whatever his name is with Oscar Isaac
1: well if Marvel does anything that's ripping off stuff they've already done you know that's true <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right
1: I'm having a good time with both of these shows. It's a nice nostalgia trip and it'd be fun if they did some way of tying those in, in some crazy scene in the Multiverse of Madness. Who knows?
0: Oh, that... That 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 would be interesting if they somehow found a way to do that. Multiverse of Madness and that's how they introduced the X-Men was they <laughs> went back to the 90s TV show through some... And they, they
1: pulled them from the animated universe.
0: Yeah, that would be mind-blowing. Uh, all Uh, right, anything else you want to add about your 90s? Oh, I've I've been... Oh, one thing, since we're talking about flashback, uh, I've obviously been uh, binging Clone Wars as part of my Clone Wars, well, part of my entire Star Wars chronological rewatch. Um, And one of the things I thought about is these guys on the Jedi Council in the Clone Wars shit on Ahsoka all the time for night. not following directions and not listening. I've done the math. In Season 1 of the Clone Wars, she's 14 years old and they got her leading an army. (laughs) <laughs> they, the Jedi Council should chill for a bit. Like, Yeah, they're
1: desperate out there in the Clone Wars. They're like, sending, yeah, soka you, you were your chain for a couple of weeks. So you're good. Lead the army.
0: Yeah, you are sending a 14-year-old girl to lead a battalion of slaves. Don't get no moral high ground with me. That's, that's <laughs> my thoughts on that. Uh, all right, you ready to move? Speaking of Star Wars, you ready to move on to Book of Boba Fett rumors? Yeah, um, give rumor. me some rumors, Joe. There's just one main rumor. Uh, well, I guess there's two. I'll go with the one that's not that surprising. is apparently, uh, based on costumes people have seen, is the show is going to take place over three separate points in time. Uh, the first one is around original series time. The second one is uh, our original trilogy time. The second one is like leading up to The Mandalorian or during The Mandalorian. And the third timeline is after The Mandalorian.
1: Interesting. after season
0: two of The Mandalorian. So basically where we left off in the post-credits scene.
1: I think that makes sense for the book of Boba Fett title. Like I, maybe they'll each be kind of chapters of the story, and you'll get one story here, then you'll jump in here's like a, a whole complete mm-hmm. second story, and then a whole complete third story, and you'll get the through line of the character's arc, but it'll be three totally different stories. I think that's an interesting direction to go. I wish they would have reached further into the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to get a little bit further Back towards the prequel era, you know, with Boba Fett, and Mm -hmm. maybe get something like earlier in the in the in the timeline there. But Uh,
0: another thing I want to add is, I guess the plot—we don't know much, but it's very like revenge, revenge revenge-focused. Is like that's Boba Fett's drive; as he's out for revenge?
1: Sounds like a Boba Fett drive to me. It makes sense. I I I want to see—he's such a changed character between. Attack of the Clones and Empire Strikes Back and now oh, uh, Mandalorian. I really just want to see, like, how does that character grow? Of course, we saw him in the Clone Wars, but that's a huge empty gap for a character to fill in. So I, I'm really excited to see them finally give us some canon of Boba Fett because that's been like a fantasy character for fans for so long. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, on them to to live up to a lot of expectations <laughs> yeah. i i can't wait to see the internet reactions because i don't know any direction they go it's gonna make people be mad yeah
0: and then i have one final rumor it's a character rumor character rumor yeah of who the main antagonist in book of boba fett's gonna be any any predictions
1: i'm gonna say you know what I, i'll go with cad bane i think that would be fascinating
0: any other predictions
1: we have, we've also got Hondo. Hondo will be fun.
0: Well, there's no point because you were right on your first guess. So. Oh. Cat, Cad Bane, look at that. The big rumor is that Cad Bane is the main antagonist
1: in Book of Boba Fett. That's awesome. I've been. I would love to have that get that duel. You know that that, that battle that we've well, never gotten. And well, because
0: the original rumor. We've was... We've gotten
1: teased and teased.
0: The original rumor was that. Uh, Well, for the longest time, it's been reported that the um, main antagonist of Book of Boba Fett is this, like, character named Hammerhead that no one could figure anything about. Like, people that go on the leak sites and try to find stuff out. All they knew was that this character's name was Hammerhead, and supposedly not the uh, Ithorian from Jabba's, or from the Cantina in Episode 4, which also had the name of Hammerhead, and no one could really find anything out. And then it was leaked that Cad Bane is in this, uh, is in Book of Boba Fett. And then people figured out that there is a Marvel villain who, and Cad Bane, after his duel with Boba Fett, right at the end of the Clone Wars, loses the duel and gets a metal plate in his head. And there's actually a Marvel villain who has a metal plate in his head who is named Hammerhead. So a lot of people think that Hammerhead is actually Cad Bane's like code name essentially like not in the universe of Star Wars but just like his onset code name.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh we we talked about the Mandalorian behind the scenes documentary on the previous episode of the show and uh, they talked in there about I would how... love to
0: watch it, <laughs> but I can't find it anywhere.
1: It'll it'll be out there, you know. It's it's somewhere in the multiverse. It's All it's right. figured its way back. All right. But they, they talked about the intense secrecy that went into keeping the Luke Skywalker uh, appearance a secret, and how they were sweating every night because they couldn't even say the word Luke Skywalker. Then in the, and they said in the script he was referred to as Plo Clune, and they even made uh, fake Plo Clune like. Uh, concept art showing him as the character coming out and everything just to cover up the fact that Luke Skywalker was in the episode so uh, I I like that the hammerhead rumor was out there that maybe it was this random character hammerheaded (laughs) or maybe it was some other character but it looks like the secret's out there Uh, if if that's correct that but who knows that could be a fake leak you know it could end up being somebody else that could be the plug clone leak you know
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, that would kind of suck because I feel like Cad Bane is like, especially in a Boba Fett show, is like, Cad Bane in the Boba Fett show is kind of like Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian. Of like, if you're gonna have an anta- if you're gonna bring a character back to be an antagonist in the Boba Fett show, like, why would you leak it's Cad Bane and then have it be a different character? Like, it has it has to be Cad Bane. If you're, I un- will say, if you're unfamiliar with Cad Bane, he was heavily inspired by uh, Lee Van Cleef in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, I believe it's the movie. Or no, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. There we go. Lee, he was heavily inspired by Lee Van Cleef in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which partially makes me wonder if that's kind of what the Book, book of Boba Fett is going to be inspired by, where like Boba Fett could be the good, Cat Bane could be the bad, and then maybe you have another character in there
1: as the ugly. I like that. I think the Western style is definitely going to be what they go for with the Book of Boba Fett, so that would be a, a good name to pull. But yeah, Cad, of course, Cad Bane is very Western in his look and everything, too, so he would fit perfectly yep. into that world.
0: All right. Anything else uh, you want to talk about before we move on to.
1: Uh... Certainly, Cad Bane dies in this series, right? Oh, he has to. Yeah. <laughs> He's made it through so many He's different eras like of Star Wars. Years
0: old at this point.
1: Yeah. And you got to give, give him the death at this point. He's been too many shows. Just let him die. Give, mm-hmm. give the man peace.
0: Yep. R.I.P. Cad Bane. all right so i think it's time we move on to uh it's not exactly a disney plus thing but in uh, about 45 days it will be when it drops on disney plus yeah a couple weeks from now it'll be up there and that is shang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh the latest mcu film it's poised to actually set a box office record this weekend which i never would have thought would have happened this year but who knew the labor day weekend the the box the the box office Labor Day, however you want to word that, you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) The box office record on Labor Day weekend before this was $30 million and this uh, movie is looking to almost double that. I believe it was like the 2007 version of Halloween that currently holds the record. Normally uh, theaters try not to release movies on Labor Day weekend because kids are going back to school and they just don't think people are really trying to go to the theater. But Marvel and Disney were like screw it. Shang-Chi Labor Day weekend. That's just how it's gonna be.
1: Yeah, we've hit the point at the pandemic uh releases where you look at the schedule now, it's like every single week there's like bangers coming out. (laughs) It's like the the studios have been building up, building up, and now it's like we gotta we gotta let it out. And then they got to yeah. I'm excited for it though. I'm glad it made a lot of money. Uh especially I'm surprised that Labor Day Weekend box office was so low. You'd think someone would have jumped in there and taken at Marvel. Of course, is what to do with they're always the ones who are like okay let's release a blockbuster on like february 9th and then they'll, they'll test whatever days they want and labor day was their next target i guess
0: yeah like the i mean disney in general like i think the record before the force awakens came out in december like the december weekend record was less than 100 million and then the force awakens comes out and makes like 247 opening weekend so Disney doesn't give a shit about when movies are supposed to come out. They'll just release them whenever. But as far as the actual movie goes, uh, the non-spoiler review aspect of it, uh, I definitely liked it. I'm still not exactly sure where I would place it in my MCU rankings. I feel like I have to see a movie twice for something like that when it's comparing movies I've seen over and over again like how do I compare it to Spider-Man Homecoming a movie I've seen four or five times compared to this which I've only seen once so I definitely when it drops on Disney Plus I'll watch it again and that'll probably help me figure out where I'll but it's definitely without a doubt upper half for sure I thought thought the lead was really good I thought the story was a little different Uh, it definitely was very similar to another Disney property but I'll let you talk about it a little bit before I get to what I want to say
1: yeah I had a great time with this honestly I uh, was going into it expecting just kind of like a passable action movie I similar in the vein probably stuff above Black Widow but I was like oh it'll be in the same vein of that just like a a side assigned adventure here to get us to the next kind of plot peat of the MCU because <laughs> it felt like both Black Widow and Shang-Chi were ones that uh, Disney was kind of shoving aside and being like oh but also look at Eternals and look at Spider-Man and think about all this multiverse stuff but also go see Shang-Chi and go see Black Widow and I'm surprised they didn't push this harder because I thought this was a gorgeous movie the action was incredible I was like enthralled by almost all of it outside of the well I don't want to give away this the ending but of course there's like a big third act battle it's some Marvel movie there's going to be a big third act battle and I think that was kind of when it checked me out it was when it started becoming more and more of a Marvel movie as it went along but I think Throughout, I was really invested in the action, and I would definitely recommend it if you're a Marvel fan, but I'd also recommend it if you're a fan of just, like, sleek, cool-looking action, and you don't need to really be following any of the Marvel storylines or the Marvel lore to be watching this, so if you just want to see a cool action movie, I think it's worth it, too.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if you watch the trailer and you're like, oh, this interests me, uh, but you haven't really seen any of the other MCU stuff, I would say you, you could definitely check it out. There's maybe, like, one or two lines that'll go over your head. Uh, because they reference previous stuff in the MCU, but I also don't think it really spoils anything in the MCU either. It's not like it's like reveals this character death that you know will lose weight to you if you go back and watch it or anything. I feel like this is a movie that outside of those one or two lines could have been the fourth movie in the MCU or you know the twenty fifth movie in the MCU. I think it really could have came out whenever. It's not exactly directly tied into the MCU, so which is good thing for yeah, this. Just... like the more the more the mcu is tied into itself the harder it'll be to get new newcomers to it so
1: yeah it was reassuring for me to watch this because as marvel builds this big storyline i started to get nervous that the there's not going to be room for these smaller stories these standalone adventures that sure have their one or two sprinkles that tease you for what's next but aren't concerned with the overall plot and this was exactly that this was exactly what i was looking for out of marvel like you, I, I still want these small adventures, these really with great action, with great characters, and that feel unique, and this feels very unique. It doesn't, I mean, it, it still feels within within the MCU. You know, I, it doesn't feel like a huge total outlier. So I don't expect it to be like this groundbreaking, totally new type of thing, but it feels unique within the MCU. It feels unique for its action. It feels unique for its style. It feels unique for how much it takes its characters and its families. Uh, a bit more seriously than I think some of the other uh, Marvel movies do, so I think yeah, this is a this is a, t- one of the higher tier Marvel movies for me. I'd probably be putting this in my it, it definitely in my top ten, if not in like towards my top five. I have to watch it a couple more times, but it's definitely in my top ten at this point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you're saying, I think the fight scenes were some of the best of Marvel. Maybe not as emotional because you don't have like the decade of buildup like you had with like captain america and thor teaming up against Thanos or anything like that but as far as just the actual choreography of the fight scenes i definitely think it's one of the better if not the best you have the i i remember watching the bus scene which is in the trailer so it's not really a spoiler and being like oh this is the best fight scene we've had in the marvel movie and then there's a later fight scene on the side of the building where i was like no this is the best fight scene we've ever had in a marvel movie so
1: yeah, if you if you're thinking th- if you're thinking like oh I watched the trailer and I saw that bus action scene so I've pretty much seen what this movie has to offer I promise you that you do not you do, you you have so much more ahead of you like that scene is early on in the movie so you have yes. a lot after that to the feast on and, I, and also I think for me one of the best scenes of the movie is the first action scene right out the gate it's like this really gorgeous throwback action scene that feels like it's ripped right out of like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon or any of those kind of throwback kung fu movies, and I had a, a fantastic time with all the action here. Uh, I do want to get into some some of my negatives. Uh, I think some of the plot really can to do a standstill at a handful of times. is a, a bit of an over reliance on exposition. Uh, so, if you especially if you're like trying to figure out, okay, how does this tie into the Iron Man three? version of 10 rings and Mandalorian, or uh the mandarin and they do give the answers to that so i want you to be assured they do but at at the cost of you sitting there having them explain it to you you know like there's exposition scenes throughout uh, the middle of this movie and i think one or two minutes too long where i was sitting there like okay i I don't need this to be explained to me too much but yeah i don't want to go into too much detail on a a lot of that but yeah the exposition held me back a bit but overall the action i thought for the most part was great
0: yeah, I, I will say that. And one of my negatives, too, is the thing that's a negative in most Marvel movies. Anytime they try to have an emotional moment, they always un- undercut it with a scene of comedy. Like, there's a moment that's a flashback where uh, Shang-Chi and his friend, played by Aquafina, are talking. And he's giving this, like, emotional, you know, backstory talking about his life and how he grew up. And then it's just undercut immediately by a dumb joke that's not even, like that funny. I mean it was fine, it was okay joke, but it was like I would have rather just had the emotional moment.
1: Yeah, I think that's a Marvel problem that Marvel has throughout these movies is they're they're like too afraid to take the story seriously. (laughs) And it's like anytime the story is actually trying to be emotional and serious, they have to remind the audience that it's not actually serious and it's okay to not to have a good time with this. And I I, there are moments like that in this movie too that held it back emotionally for me where I, I felt myself getting invested and then immediately I was reminded, oh, right, this is a Marvel movie. It's not going to be that investing. (laughs) You know, you're still part of this huge, larger thing that's not actually going to be pushing you that far to feel things you don't necessarily want to feel. These movies want you to feel comfortable and have fun, sometimes at the cost of the story they're telling.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And back to your Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I wish we got more Michelle Yeoh, you know, because she was in that movie, and then she was in this movie doing some Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon shit.
1: Yeah, she was so cool in this movie i didn't know that she was even in it because i i don't know i missed her in the trailers mm-hmm. or something but yeah I mean, she, she doesn't she really doesn't...
0: appear until the final into stuff <laughs> that you wouldn't want to spoil i guess by showing her so it makes sense that she's not really in the trailer
1: yeah but it was cool to see her it fits within our bond month because yeah. she it was in tomorrow, tomorrow never Dies, time. i believe yep so we have a connective tissue with uh, disney plus is officially part of our our bond month on movie changeup. They knew.
0: They knew. They're like, oh, that's why we got to have Shang-Chi. Plus, Billie Eilish singing No Time to Die theme. You're
1: right. A very bond-heavy episode. We should have leaned into that, Joe. What are we doing? We should have. We, we did not really think marketing. about
0: this at all. We, I, I <laughs> apologize. I'm sorry. Look at
1: that. We had a bond episode. We didn't even say anything.
0: We didn't even notice. Um, All right. Anything more you want to say before we kind of verge into uh, the spoiler territory?
1: No, but I, I do want to re- reiterate that if you are not a Marvel fan and you just want to watch a cool action movie this is worth watching and I think it's a solid entry point as Marvel kind of reboots itself I think this could be a character you start with and follow through like you would with a comic book you know like oh here's my character that I I I don't really follow the rest of it but I'll follow this guy and when he shows up in the Avengers I'll be like that's my guy Yeah,
0: uh, I agree with that. I'd give it a solid like 7.75 out of 10. That's kind of roughly where I'm at. That score might easily change. I could come back, watch it a second time, and be like, you know what, this movie really doesn't have rewatch value. I highly (laughs) doubt that's the case, but you never know.
1: Yeah, but like a a 4 out of 5 right now in my letterbox, I believe it was, so I'm pretty high on it. But not blown away. I mean, not like a perfect movie, but yeah, I'm pretty high on it. It's
0: hard to give like a Marvel movie the 10 out of 10 or anything like that. Um, Alright, so if you don't want to be spoiled by Shang-Chi, that's kind of the end of our episode because we're going to kind of finish on that. Uh, come back next week and, you know, watch whatever, watch us talk about whatever has come out on Disney+. Plus. But if you've seen Shang-Chi or you don't care about, care about it that much and just want to hear us talk about the whole movie, uh, stick around because that's what we're going to do. Um, so... Uh, one of the things I do want to say, because I realized halfway through, and then as I was watching it, confirmed it more and more, is this movie is literally just Star Wars. <laughs> you have uh, the dad, whose name I don't remember, who's not the Mandarin. They made that very clear.
1: Joe, yeah, well, I'm going to interrupt you before you even start and say that's only because Star Wars ripped off all of the old Kung Fu movies that came out before it. <laughs> <They're not laughs> like Star Wars movie. just stole Hidden Fortress and, and stole other. Here's our movies.
0: But you have this guy, not the Mandarin, uh, who was, you know, a military guy like Anakin Skywalker, and then you know he used his power after his wife died and became a bad guy to try to bring his wife back to life. Anakin tur- used his power, turned evil, to prevent his wife from dying. Anakin had two kids. With his wife. A son and a daughter. Uh, this guy, the Mandarin, had two kids. Son and a daughter. Uh, the son went off and lived a no nobody life. The daughter uh, went off and lived kind of a political, somewhat relatively successful life. In, you know, fancy buildings surrounded by a bunch of people. And usually a fighting lifestyle. You have Leia and the other daughter two badasses sons kind of dorks but still (laughs) powerful and then son and the daughter team up just like in star wars and at the end the son embraces his potential and his future while the daughter goes more who even has the same powers essentially we know same ability same powers decides no i'm gonna go more in like a political world and focus on that just like Star Wars. Just like the son daughter in this movie. This movie is literally Star Wars, but Kung Fu instead of the Force and lightsabers. I'll just say that. So you're saying it's awesome. I mean, you're not wrong. I enjoyed the movie, obviously. I just gave it a 7.75 out of 10. But I was like midway through the movie. I'm like, this movie is literally, for the most part, just Star Wars.
1: Well, Star Wars is just this every story told over again. Like, I mean, true. Star Wars is just archetypes Pirates repeated.
0: Pirates of the Caribbean is also Star Wars, so there's that. Um, but yeah, uh, one of the things. Or, oh, I was going to get your thoughts on this non-spoiler section, but I forgot. Of What were your thoughts on Aquafina? Because I could see her turning people off, but you know, I've seen her in Crazy Rich Asians. I enjoyed her in Maya, Raya, Maya, Raya, something, Raya in the Last Dragon, whatever that movie was. I enjoyed her in that. I enjoyed her in this. Oh, and she was good in the, what's the movie where she was trying to figure out if she should tell her grandma if she's dying? It's the oh, Farewell. The Farewell. She was good in The Farewell as well.
1: Yeah, I thought she was great in The Farewell. I think she's been pretty solidly entertaining and other stuff. And she was mostly solid in this. Like, she's not an actress that sells me on a movie. Like, I'm not going out and saying, oh, I got to see the Aquafina movie. But when she's in a movie, I'm like, oh, that's a nice addition to the cast list, you know? (laughs) So she was a solid addition. Some of the jokes landed, some of them didn't. But I don't really think that's Aquafina. I think that's just Marvel writing. Like, it's always how Marvel works. You know, it's it's like a a comedy where, like, maybe 70% of the jokes hit. You know, and then like <laughs> some of them are just duds.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's almost, a-
1: I forgot what it's like to sit in a crowd full of people at a sold out show, but then a joke doesn't hit. And it almost becomes like awkwardly funny because no one laughed at the joke and you're sitting there in silence. And then you almost want to start laughing because no one around you thought that was funny.
0: Yeah, this was also the most packed I've been in, in a theater since the pandemic started.
1: Yeah, I was sold out, I, I think so. Between this and Candyman were my first two sold-out shows uh, since, like, Birds of Prey.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, one of the things I was I touched on earlier with, like, the whole origin is I I fully expected this movie to be like him for, like, not knowing, like, who his parents were or anything, and, like, him having to learn martial arts. So when that bus fight scene started and it's like, oh, he already knows how to fight, I'm like, thank God, because I don't want to have to deal with all that, like, boring tropey. Like, this is how you punch. This is how you kick. Oh, you don't kick. Oh, then a fight. Then you get in a fight, and you realize you know more than you thought you did. Glad <laughs> yeah, we I was glad
1: they didn't do that. Because I've seen enough origin stories, and I think we, we're at this rebirth phase of Marvel where, like, it's an entirely new era. Like, the mm-hmm. Infinity Saga is gone, and now we're in a second saga, and I think people get the beats of our origin story right now. So unless you're doing something really different with it, like just give us the character. Like he's not yeah, showing up in costume. I'm Shang-Chi already ready to fight, but he's like yeah. trained to fighting, ready to go. And he's kind of finding his identity as a, as a, as a character, but it's not an origin story. It's like a coming of age story, you know?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It, like it was a lot like Spider-Man homecoming. It was a non-origin origin story where he was kind of like halfway through done being, chunk you know, whatever. I don't know. He don't, I don't think he has really a superhero name, but he was halfway to being that when the movie started.
1: Yeah, I think it was good to uh, not have to follow the same beats. Yep. And I also thought some of this, we talked briefly about some of the action, I didn't want to spoil some of the set pieces of it, but that side of the building fight was so good on the rafters and uh, it was visually striking. There's so much neon and so much bright light it was it was really great to see i watched it in adobe cinema so the colors were just it was all hdr and looked fantastic and they had like the speakers in the seats so whenever like someone was fighting they'd be like boom boom and it was really effective and i thought it was it was really a blast to watch yeah
0: what did you think of uh ben kingsley
1: i was sure he'd show up in some way because i figured they they want to answer that question like <laughs> for people who care like Okay, what was going on with this Mandalorian in Iron Man three? I didn't expect him to be so prominent. I thought it'd be like he has one scene and one line. I think he mostly worked. He played well for the other people in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> i like that. Like he, he played well as a, as a comedic relief for people. Yeah. He didn't necessarily land for me all the time because I think he was what we mentioned. Whenever there was a dramatic moment, he would like say something ridiculous that would all of a sudden cut the drama. You know,
0: like I would have preferred like there was a moment where he was like laying there dead and like the Morris or whatever his little weird no face creature like walked up and bumped him and he just kind of popped up He's like oh like I'm just laying here it's acting and I'm like I kind of not that I'm like ah fuck that character I hope he dies but it would almost been like more interesting to me if he was like oh he he died
1: yeah I think it'll be interesting since he's not dead if they're gonna keep bringing him back as some kind of like recurring supporting comedic relief character you know because he's getting this weird he was like a
0: Give him a Disney stand Plus standard for a
1: terrorist in Iron Man Three and now he's like this joke character.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's fun it'll be interesting to see if he comes back and he maybe he'll be like how Black Panther has like the Martin Freeman white guy that comes in and is like the outsider looking into the, the, the culture and I wonder if they'll use him as like the outsider white guy coming in looking into the to the Shang-Chi culture going forward. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, uh, speaking of uh, going back to Aquafina, I'm not sure how I felt with her to like whole arrow storyline. I felt like I don't know. I feel like there was maybe scenes that were cut or something just because it was like, oh, she like trained with a bow and arrow for like a scene, and then she was like kind of good at it, and then she shot it through the neck at the end. I don't know. It just like I would have rather her just been like with the whole thing of her being a driver, of her having to like drive and to like, do something with driving, and then being like. You know, cause it's not like, it's not like, oh, she needs a job and it's like, oh, I'm just going to go out and be an arrow shooter. Like, it's not really like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I, think... I found my career path. Now I'm going to shoot arrows at things. I would have rather been like, oh, she's like a good draw- Maybe she, and maybe like one of the, there's like a, add a third post credit scene where she, I don't know, starts her own like Uber or something. I don't know. Just something besides, I do a... oh, I think you're getting what I'm trying to say. Even yeah, what have have about a
1: better way. direction, I think, for the character to have it lead into her strengths, like cause she had this whole arc of her family not taking her seriously, taking a job uh-huh. seriously. And I wanted her arc to be like proving that what she's doing is actually important. She's actually skilled and yeah. it would have been a good way to pull that off by having. Well, she did save her driving, did get them through that maze in the in the yeah. jungle. So I think her driving paid off in that way. But it would have been nice if her full arc was in some way paying off her skills that were already there in the first place. But I do think the arc they explained of her in the story was like her shooting that arrow was her choosing to stick with something that she otherwise wasn't good at. And I think that was the arc they tried to sell us on at the end. It was suddenly it was like, oh, it wasn't actually about her like finding her self-confidence. It was about her like finding a direction and picking it Yeah,
0: I don't know. It it didn't fully land with me, I guess.
1: Yeah, I don't think it did either. I think it needed one or two more scenes of her just doing just that, like struggling and wanting to give up and choosing not to give up, you know, with the arrow. Yeah. Because that would have been an arc of she gives up easily on things, and that's why she's not accomplishing what she wants to in life, and now she's choosing not to give up on something.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing. What do you think about Wong's relationship with Abomination? What do you think that the whole thing is about?
1: I was surprised to see them so friendly. I was like, oh, this is good. When you see them in the trailer, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like a fight to the death action scene or something like some way.
0: I thought it was not going to be like a fight to the death, but I thought it was like Wong going to like capture Abomination or something.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. It was going to be hostile.
0: And not them fixing fights together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's interesting. Next
0: time you learn to control your punches was essentially him because I think the whole thing was fake, like their whole fight was.
1: Yeah, it looked like they were staging it together, and I wonder if uh, he's going to show up in Doctor Strange at this point. Because, like, he just all of a sudden walked through this portal with and ha- has this established relationship with the character. So I feel like that's almost in the, almost telling us that he's going to show up in a future movie together with them. Yeah. yeah. But I was wondering, like, is it possible that that isn't an abomin- that's not abomination at all? And some some way, it's like a it's like a creation that he made to like whether it's an illusion or whether it's someone projecting an, an image or something like that but yeah it ended up actually being abomination so that was interesting <laughs> yeah. i definitely think they will show up at some point
0: yeah
1: because they keep teasing well. out these incredible hulk characters and connections because they can't actually do anything hulk movie wise so I went uh, Abomination, now that I'm thinking about it, could show up in She-Hulk, the, the Marvel show coming out in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, Maybe they're going to
1: bring him up for that.
0: Yeah, And I'm also curious, uh, speaking of post-credit scenes that I did earlier, of we got Bruce Banner and not Smart Hulk, so I wonder what the hell is up with that.
1: Yeah, they're probably like, oh, people didn't love that Smart Hulk thing, so we're going to go back to Bruce Banner. <laughs> yeah. Or they were like, oh, we don't have the budget on Disney Plus to be doing Smart Hulk, so... We're going back to normal, Mark Ruffalo, because yeah. he's uh, going to be in the She-Hulk show also.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their actual explanation for that is.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I wonder if it's going to be like, oh, throughout these years, he's done some testing to figure out ways to bring himself back, or or what the direction is going to be. Yeah, yeah. They, Marvel has had no idea what to do with the Hulk, so I don't expect much. <laughs> he hasn't been good since the Hulk movie.
0: I mean, I liked him in Thor. He was good in Thor Ragnarok.
1: Oh, that's true. He was not He was good in Thor Ragnarok. That was the last time that he was good. Because he hasn't been interesting in any of the Avengers stuff. Especially his most recent ones. Yeah. So I'm hoping that he's good in She-Hulk.
0: I kind of hope they just retire him in She-Hulk. If you can't really <laughs> do anything with him, just be like, Oh, uh... I'm done.
1: What did you think? Uh, we got a brief Brie Larson... Uh, appearance. She were, uh reuniting with the director that yeah, put her on the map.
0: Short Term 12 and Just Mercy. So, uh, yeah, not surprising. I'm sure that was an easy and quick conversation between them of her appearing.
1: Yeah, I wonder... Oh, uh, yeah, I was
0: trying to figure out what that... I mean, I remember like them talking a and kind of I was trying to remember what the scene, but it was them trying to figure out what the origin of the rings are. Uh, do you have any predictions?
1: I think the rings are going to tie some way into eternals or the cosmic side of this marvel oh, storyline yeah. i think i'm wondering what that that beacon i didn't quite get what they were talking about when they said there was a beacon sent out i was like okay what beacon like who sent the beacon and what's the beacon like
0: <laughs> silver surfer
1: because they were like oh there's this beacon and it's sending out a signal, and they were like, to where? And then they both just said, like, count book lines, and walked out. And I was like, so no one's going to answer <laughs> their like, really reasonable question that they're asking. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to walk away?
0: That's an answer for another time, I guess.
1: I know. But, yeah, I think it's definitely going to play into Eternals. That's my prediction. Uh, people were going crazy saying Galactus and this and that, but I think Eternals is where it's going to be. Marvel doesn't play that long of the game. Like, they're going to reference, like, two or three movies ahead max, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Eternals is what the next movie at this point. Well, yeah, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Eternals and the, maybe it references Hawkeye. Maybe that's where we learn the answer. I'm also surprised with as much synergy as they're trying that we don't get like post-credit scenes that reference this show. Maybe, I'm trying to think what comes out first, Eternals or Hawkeye, but maybe uh if Eternals comes out first, we'll get a Hawkeye post-credit scene in Eternals, but
1: because we did get a Hawkeye post-credit scene in Black Widow. Oh, and we also got to remember that's that true. all these things, all the orders are cut off still. You know, like these, these movies were supposed to be out a while ago. But I'm surprised the synergy is keeping up as well as it is, to be honest. Like, I thought by now we'd be like, well, once the multiverse starts going, I wonder how, how rough it'll be. like yeah. Between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, like if Spider-Man gets pushed again and Marvel's like, well, there goes our whole storyline. Or, or, or are they going to have to like adapt somehow?
0: Uh, or is there a way that Disney just subsidizes Marvel? Like maybe they give him like, hey, we'll give you like fifty million dollars to release this now, but we also want a higher percentage of the box office.
1: I also wanted to note in that post credit scene that it's interesting that Aquafina's character is like not just a sidelined love interest; she's like seems to be like
0: oh, that's another thing I like there
1: throughout. She was there throughout the movie as well, but. She was there literally at the post credit scene, so I wonder if she's gonna like play into the MCU larger in a larger way that than was, just being like the Shang-Chi love interest.
0: That was another thing I liked of her not really being a love interest is she was more just like a platonic female friend.
1: Well yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was mostly platonic. There were some there were moments where I was, was like, like I she wonder like... if Shang-Chi has like some has some like hidden feelings for her or something. You know, I kinda of the oh. feelings the 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 vibe I got a little bit. Like there were one or two moments where I I was wondering if they were hinting at, like, this hidden feelings between the two of them, but it was mostly Bhutan yeah. again.
0: One of the things I was thinking, too, speaking of Hawkeye and speaking of the whole Arrow thing, is I wonder if there was some early version of the script where she was actually Kate Bishop.
1: Interesting.
0: With the whole Hawkeye really... and the whole Arrow, and her, and there was the whole thing of, like, her name being Katie, but then her Chinese name being something else. So I, went, I was there uh, there was a point like when she was shooting the arrow where I was like, she's obviously not because Haley Steinfeld was, but I was curious if there was like at any point in the script where she was going to be Kate Bishop.
1: That's an interesting pull. I think that would have been a, a really fun way. Cause you mentioned, Oh, the synergy is, isn't necessarily there for this one. Like they're not tying in a bunch of stuff. That would have been a fun way to tie stuff up. And you could just have it all the way to the end. Like in that last mm-hmm. scene, they ask her her name or they ask her what her, American name is something like that, and she says, Oh, Kate Bishop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but then maybe at one point they decided they needed more comedic relief and they, you know, realized, you know, hired Aquafina, and they're like, Well, Aquafina doesn't really want to, doesn't really match the Kate Bishop we want to do, so they just separated them into two different characters, but still kept the arrow storyline. Uh
1: because yeah, an arrow thing would have tied together. I mean, who knows? She could show up. Everything's connected now.
0: Yeah. When maybe it, she's maybe say, welcome
1: to the circus. They're, they're in the circus now, they're part of the MC, they can show up, whatever.
0: Maybe Hawkeye takes place in a different timeline and she still becomes Kate Bishop, but Haley Steinfeld is a Kate Bishop variant.
1: Speaking of timelines, I have a question for you, Joe. I was a little confused in this movie the way they interchangeably were using the words universe and timeline and world and. They were like, "Oh, these creatures are not from your universe," and I was like, "So are they from like an alternate universe?" And then they were like, "Oh, but they're from a different world," and I was like, "Oh, so are they coming from the multiverse, or what is going on? <laughs> is this?" The... I think it's so partially what is like, my, my explanation. what's going on with these creatures that are living in the mountains? My explanation
0: the... is partially like it's. It reminds me of when Obi Wan tells Maul in Rebels that Luke is the chosen one its characters not even fully realizing like everything and so they just kind of come up with their own words for things like potentially um the that place tom Tomalao or what I don't I have no idea. That's probably not right at all, but the mystical land that they get go to at the end might still be part of earth but it's just like this weird different plane like the soul plane or the astral plane or whatever in black panther like it's just some weird plane like i don't i don't know if it's necessarily like oh you're going to a different earth in the multiverse like they may be maybe it's like some weird portal that just takes you to a different planet on our universe like i don't know if it's ever fully going to be explained but i also think if things don't necessarily line up you can just chalk it up to uh characters in the universe not really fully real understanding everything
1: yeah, I mostly understood it as it's just this portal to, like, a weird
0: Different tiny alternate world universe, universe. universe. <laughs> dimension thing.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's like, this is not a literal alternate universe, like, where with, with the Watcher's going to show up and talk about it. Like, yeah. this is just some kind of, like, portal to another random thing. Like, comic books aren't that consistent. Like, oh, one time it's like, oh, here's this portal, like, oh, so one thing, another thing. And, yeah, I don't need it to, like, that much make sense. But Marvel has to be careful when they're using the words, like, universe and timeline right now because people are looking for – things to put on YouTube videos to tag things all together and make all the, all the timelines make sense. So that's when I start getting nervous about their synergy and, like, are they going to start using these things so lightly so it starts all of a sudden stops making sense because they're just like, oh, timeline, universe, world, whatever. It's all the same. Yeah.
0: One question I have is how many years do we have to wait before the Lion-Dragon things from Shang-Chi are teamed up with the Rhinos from Wakanda Against whatever kind of threat, because that is what I need.
1: Look, I think, I think we definitely got to get some Black Panther Shang Chi crossover. I think that almost is what I would expect from the ending of the other movie, the final postcard scene. You know, I was thinking that was that team, that new era of the Ten Rings versus the Wakandan uh, army that we saw in Dormilaje yeah, or whatever they're or And we've heard rumors of a Wakanda TV show on Disney Plus. So I was my prediction when I saw that scene was that this is gonna they're gonna essentially be the antagonist of the Wakanda show on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, because they said the ten rings will return, but they didn't really say where. So I could definitely see that being a thing. That makes sense now because I remember because at the end it said the ten rings will return, and I'm cur- I was like, I'm like, okay, obviously they know where. I doubt it's gonna just be Shang Chi 2 because otherwise I think they would say that but them being the antagonists in uh, Wakanda forever makes sense.
1: And I do think that uh, there's this background story going on that we saw in the post-credits. I don't know if it was a post-credits scene necessarily, but it was towards the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier where Sharon Carter is on the phone, and she she, she reveals herself as a power broker, and she's just talking to some unseen, uh, unseen broker. That is, I think that... We could possibly have Sharon Carter being like our middle woman between a lot of these warring factions. We got the Black Widows who are kind of out there doing their thing. We have the Wakandan army out there doing their own thing. And now we have the Ten Rings revived doing their own thing. And I could see her being the power broker, being the one who's in the middle of trying to say, OK, let's bring all of these bad guy teams together or something like that. Or and let's, let's try and like have, make a some kind of team up. <laughs> yeah. I think that could be a fun way to tie this all together.
0: Yeah, I'd watch the shit out of that, and I'm probably going to because that's definitely gonna be pretty close to what they're doing.
1: That's my, that's my, that's my, uh, my wild prediction because I think we have we have a lot of on, uh, ongoing storylines outside of the multiverse that we keep forgetting about. These spy thriller kind of side of the Marvel universe is still going.
0: Yeah, the kind of the street levelness of it all. We'll probably get more answers than Hawkeye, I imagine too.
1: Yeah, because Hawkeye, I think, is gonna tie directly into the Madame Hydra. Uh, scene at the end of Black Widow, of course, and I think I think her and Power Broker could be uh, Madame Hydra is the Julia D'Reese-Dreyfus character from what's been going on in the Marvel universe, and I think that her and Sharon Carter could end up being like the bad guy teammates by the end of the show, and that could be the one the one that brings it all together.
0: All right, yeah, makes sense to me. Anything else you have got to say about Shang Chi before we wrap up?
1: No, I had a great time with it though. I can't wait to watch it again. Yep. Uh, if it was for thirty bucks on Disney Plus, I'd be tempted to buy it and watch it again. But I'm glad I don't, I don't have that option, so I can just wait a couple of weeks and watch it free.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up. Come watch us next week. Also, that movie had a dragon fight that we didn't talk about, but it
1: there was-, was an awesome, cool dragon fight. It was. I mean, it was a bunch of CGI monsters fighting each other. <laughs> but it was cool. it was dragons you yeah, know we'll
0: definitely uh, see the good dragon fight again against something whether it's galactus or some kind of monster It'll be great. Thing, boom. sure
1: I think we'll see, we'll see that show up. I was teased pretty heavily in this one and in in some of the previous marvel stuff so i would i would place my bets on that as an appearance in in chi too
0: all right uh good to know have a nice week everybody without further ado goodbye.